It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host and founder of BricktownBuckets.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O-Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O-Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128, 405-362-7128. On today's show, we're going to recap the game against the Miami Heat, and we start the way we always do. With the game overview. And now Horford is out with rest. George Hill was out with a thumb injury. So it was a pretty standard night. I mean, if all things were considered, you'd you'd never have Al Horford and probably wouldn't have George Hill on the second night of back to back. So the Thunder were still healthier than they have been for quite some time. In the starting lineup, it was SGA, Tail Maldon, Lou Dort, Darius Baisley, and Isaiah Roby. The Heat were missing Avery Bat Bradley, Goran Dragic, Miles Leonard, and Tyler Hero in this game. So some pretty important pieces were gone from the Miami Heat, as well as, of course, Mo Harkless. And then in this game, the Thunder, of course, coming off that win uh, against Cleveland, and Miami's coming off a two-game uh, winning streak. When their last 10 games, Miami's 6-4. and four. In Oklahoma City's last 10, 10 games, they were 3-7 and seven entering this game. And the Thunder just ran out of gas. I mean, it, it simply put that on the second half of back-to-back, they just simply did not have it. I mean, you, you were without... Al Horford and without George Hill, Darius Miller did not play. And then, of course, you have the four G League assignments. So their rotation was shrunk a little bit, but still they just did not have enough to keep pace with the Miami Heat. They gave it a good run. It was really the second half of the third quarter that really just fell apart on them. And then they were a disaster in the fourth quarter. They just could not hit anything in that fourth quarter to just get outplayed and to have this game get away from them. 108 to 94 does not look great. But again, this game was more, it was closer than that. People just don't really remember, I guess, or, or don't really realize that it was back and forth. The first quarter, it was a two-point differential. In the second quarter, the Thunder won at 33-22. And then the second half of the third quarter got away from them. The Heat won the third quarter 34-23. And then the fourth quarter is where it got really bad whenever the Heat won 29-17. You know, this is not an embarrassing game, right? This is not something that you should, oh my gosh, how could they let this happen? This is so embarrassing the way that they played basketball. Nope, they're just a young team. Like They're just a young team that's going to go through the ebbs and flows of a season, and they're going to have nights like this where on the second night of a back-to-back, they run out of gas against a more mature uh, and a more veteran team that's extremely well-coached, and you're not going to be able to pull off what you can in other games. I mean, in other games, just the effort level will keep it close, and you're able to limit people's scoring, and you're able to – take away some of their offensive production just because you're giving more effort than them. 
Heat culture does not allow that to happen, and Eric Spolster does not allow that to happen. Jimmy Butler does not allow that to happen. And so whenever you have to rely on actually putting the ball in the hoop and actually playing basketball, you're going to have nights like this where, where you cannot buy a bucket for two quarters. That's what it was. I mean, for a quarter and a half, really, they couldn't buy a bucket. And if that quarter and a half comes in the first quarter, I don't think that you emphasize it as much as you do uh, since it came in the second half of the third and, and the entire fourth quarter. I'm not going to sit here and just criticize this team overly because we should all understand the deal by now. This is a young team that's going to lose games, and there were some bad performances, you know, some uncharacteristic performances like Diallo in 20 minutes not scoring a single point in this game, fouling four times, turning it over three times. Diallo is not good in this game. But you're going to have off nights, and this is going to happen. I'm also not of the belief that this was like a some must-win game for the Thunder in the terms of you know tanking or in the terms of uh, the draft pick for Miami. Look, Miami's a playoff team. They're going to be a playoff team. They will not be in the lottery. There's no shot that that pick leaps up into the top pick or into the top half of the lottery. There's just no chance. It's going to be anywhere from picks 15 to probably like 25, you know, 24, something like that. In that range is where you're looking. Uh, the Thunder's pick... Losing, you know, losing on the Thunder's record. If you're someone that cares about tanking, is way more important than making a Miami loss that won't really matter. That might decide the difference between picks 2022 20, and 21. And at that point, I don't really care because, you know, if you do have a Miami pick at 21, you can still use that to move up if you wanted to, and also you have the assets to use on the back end as well. You know, these future first round picks that you can use. So, so the Miami pick, I, I don't really care about. It was not some must-win game in that sense to me. I think that we're kind of still living in this fantasy world where Miami can leap up to the top overall pick and and we can sim it enough times on Draft Simulator to have it have Miami at pick one and Oklahoma City at pick two. Miami's a, a playoff team. They're a playoff team. They're not a lottery team. Get ready for the pick to be like pick 18. Yeah, That's like kind of the lowest I think that you can go. It's probably about 18, you know, maybe 17. That's the deal with, with Miami. So all in all, this game was kind of how you expect it to be. I mean, the second half back-to-back, they're playing a brutal stretch of games. This is the game number two of a five-game stretch within seven days, not to mention the stretch they played last week. I don't care how young you are, and even though they're so young, they give more effort and, and energy than any other team in the entire NBA. Therefore, their minutes that they played this year are more grueling than what other teams have, have given. So, of course, they're going to run out of steam. And in this game, you saw that, that that happened. I mean, you didn't have George Hill to give you some buckets. You didn't have Al Horford to give you some buckets. And Diallo doesn't show up off the bench. And really, Shea is the only one who who produces at a high level with Tail Maladon. You're still waiting for that amazing Darius Baisley game, but you did get a really good one against Miami. And then Lou Dort struggled to shoot the ball, but still played good defense, still contributed in other ways. So all in all, you got solid enough performances from SGA, Tail Maladon, Darius Baisley, and Lou Dort. Anywhere from solid enough to incredible. And that's what really matters this season. Beyond you know, The scoreboard doesn't really matter at all. It really matters how do those guys play. And they played good enough to excellent. And I'll take it. I'll take that every single day. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh my gosh, it's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing the way that they played in the third quarter. Did they play bad in the third quarter at the end? Yeah. Did they play bad in the fourth quarter at the end? Yeah, sure. They played bad in the fourth quarter the entire way. They played bad in the third quarter for half of it. So what? What of it? They'll try again on... Whatever day they play again, Wednesday against the Spurs. Like, it, it, it's fine. 
you have to have this mindset of evaluating them the way that you did whenever they had Russell Westbrook and Paul George and whenever they had Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant. Like, every game is not so high-pressurized that it's embarrassing whenever they don't play well. Like, you can't pull the embarrassing card every single game. Like, some people, whenever they lose, just always say, oh, look how, how embarrassing this stretch of, of, of the game was. That's literally how you lose games. There's never been a game that a team has lost where they did not have one bad stretch at least. And so in this game, you had a bad stretch. It was a quarter and a half of bad basketball. And again, if that quarter and a half happens in the first quarter and half of the second quarter, and then you make a run to keep it close at the end, and you still lose 108-94, it feels different. It feels different. Everyone's emphasizing the last two quarters with this team. And these are young players who didn't have Al Horford to sell them down in the clutch time whenever the game got competitive and whenever Miami made that run at the midway point in the third quarter. So they floundered a little bit. But you just have to see how they grow from this and how they move on from this. I think that this was still a fun game to watch. I think it was still a competitive game for 90% of it. Oklahoma City was still able to get a nine-point lead in this game, and they just did not have enough legs to finish the game out. And really, if you play this game as a standalone game and not the second half of back-to-back, it might go differently for the Thunder. So hang your hat on that, that you were almost able to knock off the defending Eastern Conference champions and the Miami Heat. And you shot pretty comparably, even on the second half of back-to-back. I mean, the, the, the Heat shot 44% from the floor. The Thunder shot 43. The Heat shot 37% from three. The Thunder shot 35, even without being a, a traditional three-point shooting team. Although the Thunder shoot high volumes of threes, they do not have the same shooters of a Duncan Robinson-type uh, player the way that the Heat do. And then on the free throw line, you both shot 84%. This was a dead-even game for the most part. I mean, even the rebound category was only separated by a little bit. It was a dead-even game until the fourth quarter, whenever they got some separation. And and, and Miami did take an 18-point lead in this game. But all in all, your young guys stepped up, played well. We're going to talk about SGA. We're going to talk about Tail Maldon and talk about the rest coming up. But first, I want to tell you, about our good friends over at rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving you auto parts online for 20 years. That's right, 20 years ago. You probably didn't know how to work the internet properly because, you know, you just had all these pop-up ads, and then when your landline would ring off the hook on your rotary phone, all of a sudden, the internet would just stop working. It was a disaster on dial-up internet, but you could have been going to rockauto.com for all the parts that your car would ever Need that's right, every single part at rockauto.com. Because whenever I go there, my favorite part about their website is there is their entire website of itself. Like, I love the way you can navigate the website, I love the fact that I don't have to know anything about cars. All I have to do is put my make, my model, my year into their database, and they're only and I mean only going to show you car parts that are compatible with your vehicle. That way, you never ever get upcharged and you never ever. Buy a part that your car does not need and your car cannot use. So check them out today at rockauto.com. And whenever you go there to rockauto.com, tell them that Locked On sent you in the How Did You Hear About Us box, and they'll know what to do from there. Rockauto.com, amazing selection. We're live below prices, all the parts your car will need. Rockauto.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we are back on Locked On Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network. Check out Locked On today wherever you get your podcasts from. Get more of the sport news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts a breakdown of the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with the news that matters most in sports in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts from, including the radio.com app. So in this game, SGA was phenomenal. And today... Later on, on Tuesday, about 7 o'clock-ish, 6 o'clock-ish, somewhere in that range, you're going to hear who the coaches picked for the NBA All-Star Reserves. And this is Shea's shot. This is the way that Shea gets into that All-Star game in a couple weeks in Atlanta. Shea deserves it. I mean, this game was phenomenal. In this game, he had 27 points on 15 shot attempts, 66% from the floor, 66% from beyond the arc, 2 for 3. He gets to the line six times. He goes for five assists and two rebounds. He gets so much attention and has so much focus on him. And he has such feel for the game. And I know that that is something that people just throw out there and you don't really know what it means. Like, for example, the third quarter, and he's done this multiple, multiple times, he is always in position to drain the clock out. And he doesn't start his attack until he knows when the, when the drive is over, when the possession is over, there will be no more time left. And even while doing that, he never looks rushed. In that third quarter, he had that amazing finish between two Miami defenders and a third one was rotating over there, and he still finished a layup in the, in the paint and left Miami no time to counter before the end of the third. So that kind of poison control, and, and to do that while still looking like silky smooth, like, like literally... He looks unfazed at all times, and he looks unbothered at all times. He's getting an immense defensive you know, recognition, or, or I should say he's, he's getting the best of the best that the defense has offered. They're only focusing on him, and he has such a high drive and kick ability. He has such great vision, and he's such a better playmaker. I've said this before. He's a better playmaker than I, than I think anyone gave him credit for, anyone in the world gave him credit for preseason. Because preseason, there was still this, this if, right? There was still this, like, uh, you know, I'm not sure if Shea can be a ball, uh, you know, a point guard, but you know what? Why not test it out this season? I think that they should try it, and we'll see what happens. There was still this, like, wait and see with can Shea be a point guard. Shea has taken that title, and he's shown you he absolutely can be a point guard. And he's gotten so many potential assists that guys cannot help him out and knock down those shots. Shea has been jaw-dropping. He's been an all-star. If he's not an all-star today, something went terribly wrong, and we'll talk about it all tomorrow on Locked on Thunder. I'll give you who I picked for the all-star game. But Shea is going to be an all-star this year. He at least should be an all-star this year. And he is, has been playing an all-star caliber year this entire time. And the best part about that, beyond extending the streak, hopefully, to 12 consecutive years with an all-star in Oklahoma City. Beyond all that, the, the most incredible part of this season so far for Shea, you know, if he's an all-star or not, we all know he's playing at that level. We all know that in production, he's an all-star. The most amazing part about that is that he's nowhere near his ceiling yet. The guy's 22 years old, and I point this out all the time, and going back to the preseason and all throughout this season so far, even I think I said it again yesterday, but... He has had no stability in his NBA career. Zero. He has had zero stability. He gets drafted, goes to LA, is the trusted point guard off the bench for Doc Rivers. Then he gets traded. He goes to Oklahoma City. 
and is playing with Chris Paul and is playing off ball now and is playing with Billy Donovan now and is adjusting this new role that the Thunder want him to play. And then they trade Chris Paul and they fire Billy Donovan. And now he's the point guard again for Oklahoma City. And he's surrounded by Al Horford and George Hill and he hasn't played with George Hill and as well as Al Horford some as they've kind of intertwined each other with rest days and injury days and things like that. Now he's not got a lot of continuity with those two guys. And now he's playing for Mark Dagnott because he also does not have Billy Donovan anymore. Like, like he's never had just simple and he's never just had constant, right? There's never been a constant in his life, in his basketball life so far in his NBA career. And that should give you so much hope for the 22-year-old ceiling because already just his age, 22, is going to give you a high ceiling. But he has not had the same continuity and benefits that other players have. And really, even this year, like this was going to be his first full off season with the Thunder. And the off season, of course, was strange. I mean, going back to the March off season, the March hiatus, he had to work out on his own. And then coming into this year, he couldn't work out, you know, you know, couldn't work out the team until December 1st. Like he's had to do all this on his own. So I'm sure the Thunder have helped him out. I'm sure the Thunder have ways to, you know, video call with him and, and, and you know, work with him virtually and things like that. But it's not the exact same as what a typical progression would look like. So I think that you should put all of that into account beyond just the fact he's 22 years old and realize how much better that Shea can get. Like, th- th- this is still surface level with Shea. We don't even know what's going to evolve with him. And one thing that will help him evolve, by the way, is simply getting better shooters around him. Because whenever he drives and kicks the guys and they don't knock down shots, it's going to not give him an assist. And so whenever those guys do knock down shots, you're going to see a leap in assist that might catch some people off guard. But it's really going to be just what he's always done. Guys are just hitting shots now. And so I think that that will help him a lot too in the, in the perception. But still, this has been fun to watch. It's been a joy to watch. In this game, he's he's efficient. And that's my favorite part about it. I know that's not really the flashy stuff. It's not the whole splitting defenses that he always does. But the, the efficiency is just incredible. It's just jaw-dropping how whenever he has a bad efficiency night against Milwaukee, it's headline news. Anyone else in the NBA, bad efficiency night, okay, it happens. With Shea, it's like, oh my gosh, can you believe he didn't shoot 60%? Like, yeah, he's a young player, but for Shea's standards, he set the precedent of being an incredible, an incredible shooter and, and picking his spot so wisely even as a year three player. And in this game in the first quarter, he goes five for six, the last shot, you know, the the only miss coming at the buzzer. So really it was five for five the whole quarter until the last attempt. And this game at the halftime, he was 18 points on seven shots. Like, how does he even maneuver this is beyond impressive to me. But he was also accompanied by tail mouth on this game. It was not all SGA, despite SGA once again being the best player on the floor. The same floor that had Jimmy Butler. The same floor that had Bam Adebayo. The same floor that had these guys that made name for themselves in the NBA Finals. Even as Bam Adebayo goes for 19 points and, and 13 rebounds, SGA was the best player tonight. I felt that way. I think that a lot of people felt that way about SGA. That is remarkable. But he was not alone again. He he did have, uh, you know, Tail Maldon joining him. With Tail Maldon was amazing, and, and I hate that the box scores never really seem to depict what really happened with Tail Maldon. He only has eight points in this one. But again, the bounce pass to Isaiah Roby, threading the needle there in that first quarter between two defenders on a bounce right in, in, the, in the pocket for Isaiah Roby to go up there strong and, and nail a layup is a tribute to his vision and his passing ability, which is just why, like way ahead of where 19-year-olds' passing ability should. And then a couple possessions later, 
He pump fakes a three-point shot, gets a flyby, takes a dribble in, has a wide-open mid-range shot, but he realizes, even though I feel confident with him knocking down that shot, he realizes that in the corner of his eye, in the corner of the three-point line, Darius Bates is wide open for three, and that three is better than two, and so he dishes it out to Darius Baisley, who does knock down the shot, and brilliant basketball play, like a high IQ play and a smart play to get you more points in one possession. He can also finish strong at the rim, and in this game, he was drilling contested threes. Like, are you kidding me? Contested threes off ball. He can do so much for this team, and he can do so much in his in his with his skill set and with his arsenal, and he plays solid defense. And I don't know how this guy fell out of the first round. You know, there's the storylines about you know he did not want to be a draft and sash player. Uh, yeah. He's already one of the best players in the draft class. So that's not saying much. It was a bad draft class. But if you redrafted just simply based on talent and NBA production, Tail Malden's a first-round pick going away. So I get why he did not want to be a draft and stash guy. And I don't really buy that because he was telling us that in the media, I don't think there was any concern or, or wondering if he was. There was never a doubt he was going to come over. He was telling us in the media that he was always going to come over uh, in the pre-draft process before he was even selected. So I'm sure he told teams that, and that might have scared some teams off. There was also, though, a big knock on his athleticism. Like, that was the only thing basketball-wise that people picked apart for, for Theo Maldon was his athleticism and, and that he can't keep up with the NBA game or NBA-level athletes, and he can't get to the rim with NBA-level athletes, and he can't defend with NBA-level athletes. And, and he's done a, a really good job of, of playing defense for what the expectation level was coming in. He's done a really good job, and he's shown flashes of being a good defender. And I think it goes back to his IQ. Like, he's a smart player who's always in the right position, and he's able to kind of read the passing lanes and and things like that. I think that that's what helps him be a good defender, not really just being a good athlete. I think that there was a a good reason to knock his athleticism, but it's not being exposed at all at the NBA level, even as a starter. And as a starter, he's performing very well. Coming into tonight as a starter, Terry Maldon's averaging 10 points, three rebounds, three assists, and a steal. While shooting 50%. From beyond the arc, as a rookie who did not get summer league, did not get training camp, did not get you know preseason, you know an elongated preseason, and even missed some time in the preseason. You know this year on the shortened preseason, he missed time on that. So this is someone who's ahead of his time right now, and I think that it should give you a lot of you know security in this team in the future, and also about the direction. Like if they do trade, and when they do trade, George Hill. It's going to be fine. You're going to get to watch Tim Allen play even more. Like it's it's going to be totally fine. You're going to watch Tim Allen play the exact same minutes, and he's going to continue to progress and, and continue to show you why he's a very very good selection. And I, I think that even a redraft already of the 2020 draft would be pretty interesting. We might do that during the All Star break. But coming up, I want to talk about this game more, and of course the All Star selections uh, tonight. But I do want to tell you about our good friends over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sport action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. But online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and perhaps almost anything that you can imagine. But online has you covered with all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets for free to sign up at BetOnline.ag and head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today for a free account at BetOnline.ag. And then whenever you do and you use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit BetOnline.ag. You can bet on every single Thunder game at betonline.ag. Use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportbook experts. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league – 
helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on Locked On Thunder on the Locked On Podcast Network. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and successes of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than a Game. Right now, you can hear Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Aliyah of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts from. I want to talk now about Isaiah Roby. And Roby in this game, as a starter, goes four for five from the floor, two for two from beyond the arc, including a massive three over the outstretched arms of Bam Adebayo. He gets you five rebounds and gives you an assist and a steal on his way to 12 points. I've been saying it and saying it and saying it that Isaiah Roby can shoot. And this guy can shoot from beyond the arc. He's got to believe in himself. He's got to trust himself. But this guy can shoot from beyond the arc. And he's showing you that in this game. In the last couple of games, he's been less hesitant. He's been willing to shoot the three ball. And they're starting to fall here at a clip that's high enough to be respectable at his position and to earn him some defenders to get drawn out on him. And he is more athletic than NBA centers. So whenever NBA centers are the ones that come out there to the perimeter and challenge him, he can go right by them and get to the rim. It's how you saw him cross over Vucevic earlier this year. But Roby's played well in that center role. He's played well in that starting role. Of course, he's not going to be able to, to handle even Bam Adebayo, and that's why I think that he's better off of, as a four, and I don't think he'd be exposed or anything by, by NBA fours. I think that he should play the four, but I get why they want to continue working with him as a center because in the long run, he does have more value at the center position, but for his skill set in the short term, I think that he's a better power forward. Like in the short term, I don't think that he's even your best small ball five. I think that Darius Baisley is your best small ball five. But again, it's about playing the long term and the long game. So that's why you're seeing Roby playing that center position. And Darius Baisley played well in this game also. I mean, he has 13 points on an efficient 55% shooting and 42% from beyond the arc. Goes three for seven, five rebounds and assists a steal. Just being efficient is enough for Darius Baisley right now because you just have to start working on improving things, right? You can't fix everything at once. Like you cannot overcome this bad start to the season all at once. It's bad first half. It's underwhelming first half. But he can start shipping away. And so he's shipping away right now. He was efficient tonight. And then you can hope for a scoring outburst with efficiency. And then you can hope for him getting his rebound numbers back up. You know, and being that double-double machine that I talked about earlier, which is not looking too good right now. But I did say he would average a double-double, which we're kind of a, a bit away from right now. But that's okay. You know, he has a whole second half to try to fix this. He was to try to make me uh, a correct prediction there. But Baisley did a good job in this one. Uh, kind of under the radar, I think, for Baisley in this game. I don't think that many people were talking about Darius Baisley, but he played well. Lou Dort, again, the shooting fell off, but you're going to have nights like this. You're going to have one for eight nights, and then tomorrow, you know, on Wednesday, he'll shoot three for six from beyond the arc, and Hall will be forgiven. That's why he's a 33% free throw, you know, three-point shooter, which is perfectly fine and where he should be to elevate his game. Uh, Muscala had a couple big threes off the bench. No harm, no foul there. I mean, just nothing to write home about. Other than that, it was the Shea and Tam Aldon show, and that was it. We talked about Diallo's disappointing night. Justin Jackson and Kenny Hustle had some good highlights of a, of a two-man game between those two guys, which I always find hilarious whenever they're, like, setting each other up and they're playing so well together. I'd be interested in the cleaning the glass numbers on just that pairing, that that duo of Kenny Hustle and Justin Jackson. 
But nonetheless, tonight we'll find out if the Thunder have another all-star or if the Thunder will be without their all-star and without an all-star for the first time since 2009. On tomorrow's show, we're going to pick my all-stars. We're also going to do stock watch, and we're going to recap the all-star selections that were actually made by the NBA and much more ahead of Wednesday's Spurs game. So be sure to tune in for that one. Subscribe to Lockdown Thunder wherever you get your podcasts from. Be good and be good to another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.